Hi, this is Eddie Deason. You're listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall. I was Mandark in Dexter's Laboratory. Ha 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 ha. You are listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall on Realm of the Mist Entertainment. What is up, guys? Chris Dolly back with another Breaking the Fourth Wall. I know you're not used to hearing my voice. Normally, it's Mr. Ray Rumsey, but he is off this week, and I get the distinct pleasure of sitting down with a man that he has spoken to before. And after listening to the uh, interview yet again to, uh, today, I can honestly say I feel like I missed out. But you know what? I'm going to make for make up for it now. Mr. Dave Hamlin, otherwise known as Hambone. Welcome back to the show, Dave. Hey, thanks, Chris. <laughs> All right, so yeah, you were tell you were telling me uh, with the first interview with Dave, uh, or yep, yeah, yeah, with Dave with Ray, um, that uh, that you guys went on long after the uh, the 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 recorder stopped recording, and right, yes, you had yeah. a butt ton more stories you wanted to tell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, you know, I mean, dude, it was it was fucking actually a lot of fun. We were talking about working in the studios, you know, and, and, and he asked me about, you know, was it fun? Right. And, you know, and it's, it was, it's a trip because it's, I'm sure that, you know, I know they do the same shit in New York, you know, they do it in, in Georgia, but they bring a lot of us to Georgia to do the shit. And it's just, you know, the other day I got home and there's a girl that lives at the building, Nicole Bilderbeck is her name. She's a sweetheart. She worked, she did, uh, what's it, Bring It On, that movie Bring It On, and she's done a ton of other shit since then as well. But okay. she was talking about her folks got to go on set. Oh, and it was great, and they really had a great time. And I said, yeah, but they're seeing the set when it's about the fucking talent. See, that, that, was, that was something. They're not seeing it. That was something I was really uh, picking up. That was something I was really picking up in in the last interview, uh, was that you, you did put a lot of emphasis on that. And again, for people that don't know, I myself, you know, I, I work in the trade fields. I'm a I'm a fence installer now, but I mean, majority of my life I've been a subcontractor, building maintenance mechanic. You know, I, I I've worked your field, just not as artistically. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Where like you feel like the scum of the earth or you're treated like the scum of the earth because all everybody ever sees is the salesman or the, the, the person who presents the finished product, but never the person who made the product, you know? Um, so I really got what you were saying in that, in that previous interview. Right. Oh dude, you know, and it's, it's really, it's really fucking incredible. It really is. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, and then, then there was something else on the Facebook. They were talking about. Uh, they were talking about the Jaws shark, old Bruce. You know, old and Bruce. somebody they were talking about. Oh, you know, they they showed a picture of the, the thing before, and then a picture of it when it was painted. Oh, Spielberg really brought that thing to life. No, Spielberg didn't. It was my dad, people like you, people like me, my old man that put the paint on the thing that made it look like a shark. Those, the, those people that don't get dirty, 
That's it. That's the key right there. They don't get dirty. No, you're absolutely right. And by the you way, know, I'll pay. I'll pay. I'll pay your dad the ultimate compliment for Bruce the Shark. I saw Jaws when I was five years old. I'm 42. That movie made me start taking showers. I was afraid to take a bath because I thought that shark was going to come up through the freaking drain. Like that. Oh, that dude. shark scared the living shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I was home a bunch of years ago. I went home to the vineyard and. Uh... When I, when I before I did this, before I got in the movie studios, I did like you, dude. I was living on Martha's Vineyard, building fucking homes. Okay. You know, swinging a hammer for somebody, built helping build houses and shit. And every night after work, I would go down to the beach road, park my jeep, get out, take my boots and whatever off, and then just run down in my shorts, dive in, rinse the sawdust and the sweat and dirt off. And then go home and get a shower. And the thing about it was, the minute you went underwater, you started hearing that din din, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and one one night in, on Martha's Vineyard, you dive in and you you can actually you, you swim out twenty feet, twenty five, thirty feet, and you're still only up to your fucking chest, basically. Right. You know, so I'm I'm walking and I'm wiping the fucking salt out of my eyes, the salt water. And I stepped on a fucking sand shark, dude. Oh, my God. And I felt, I felt that tail, you know, go back and forth. Dude, I must have looked like Christ running across the fucking water. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just picturing Huckleberry Hound dude. and the Twinkle Toes sound over the water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Fucking crazy, you know? But yeah, man, ever since then, and now I can't, I'm trying to get my grandson to watch it with me, you know, <laughs> and old Tan, old Tan's not having it, uh, you know, he's all, he's, he's nine already, and he's like, oh no, <laughs> see, I, <laughs> a fucking little wuss, see, but I he'll, can, he'll, he'll watch it eventually. See, that, that was another thing you brought up uh, in, in the previous interview, and I, I would love for you to get a little, uh, you know, deeper into it. Uh, you were talking about like practical effects versus uh, CGI, and it's funny because like since we're on the subject of, of sharks, 1975 Jaws came out, and right. you know outside of some um, some live footage that they used for like when the Jaws was attacking the cage with Richard Dreyfuss in it, all of it was was Bruce the mechanical shark or or variant pieces of him the fin whatever the case may be. You know, and to me, there hasn't been a decent shark movie since Jaws 1 uh, up until, I would say, Deep Blue Sea. But even then, they were completely CGI sharks. And like you said, you could tell the difference. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. You know, and, and now with the CGI and shit, it, it just looks hokey. I mean, you know, I get it. I get the thing that you don't want to pay people to build the fucking the, the stuff. You know, what, what the effects shit, like the sharks, whatever. I get it, the props. But, you know, until you get a handle on that CGI, wait, don't put it out because it looks fucking dumb. And you, you have to be a fucking, you have to be a complete dipshit not to, not to pick up that it's fake. See, I, I partly agree with you, because like, uh, when, when you think about like science fiction movies, for the sake of argument, where you have unreal, uh, unreality-based type characters, 
aliens or whatever the case may be. Think of like Star Wars or or Men in Black. I think you can get away with more with CGI, but you're right. There's there's that uncanny valley with with things that we know to be alive. You know, whether it be a human being yeah. or fish, you know, or or whatever the case may be. That that when it's uh when it's CGI, you could just tell it's lifeless. Oh yeah, dude. When that's what we were talking about. There was a there was a bar, a little a little like country western dive bar over on um over by where. Uh, when Rodney King got beaten right. by the cop, that bar was literally right there, right at that intersection. And um, they blew it up in the end of ter- one of the Terminator movies. They blew the thing up. And Schwarzenegger comes walking out, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, but you could t- it was a real explosion and the shit's going everywhere, you know, and then after that, of course, they got to pay everybody to go pick up everything. <laughs> <laughs> hey. But now it's, they, they do these explosions and it just, it just, it's like watching an explosion with, with uh, Wiley Coyote in the Roadrunner. <laughs> I don't you know, know what I mean. I don't know. I'd pay to, for a live-action Roadrunner cartoon as long as it was done in the the, the fashion of the true Looney Tunes. Oh, dude! <laughs> now that's what they need to get back to. You know, I watched some of these cartoons with my grandson when he was little, and this shit that he's watching is just sorry. You know, there's no, there, there's, you know, I I just don't understand what the fuck is going on anymore. And, and when I talked to Ray. We touched on that a little bit too, you know, how all of a sudden now it's like you got this, what are they, what are they calling these people now that can't figure out transgender? Right. Really? You can't look down and tell whether you're a guy or a chick? It's pretty easy. Now see, I, I, I agree with you. And, and you know what? I, for the for sake of argument, I, I consider myself right of center. Okay, I'm conservative with liberal tendencies. So when it comes to things like transgenderism, I I treat it the same way as 10, 20 years ago with like homosexuality where it's like if that's you, be you. I don't care. You know what I mean? What you do behind closed doors is your business. My right. I still look at it that way, but you know what? It's but it's not, man. And these people like now you got these guys that are going, well, even though I have a penis, I'm really a chick. So I should be able to run track with the chicks. Get shut the fuck up. See those that's where I was going. Are go- you serious? That's where I was going with it. It's you like know? some of the things I don't agree with is like, you know, just because you identify as a woman, I don't think you should be using the same bathroom as a nine-year-old girl, biological right. girl, or or competing against women. Because quite honestly, you know, biologically speaking, men are designed to be the workhorse, more stockier than women. Nine times out of ten in competitive sports, we're going to beat them. I'm sorry it may offend some people, but it's the God's honest truth, and I think it's setting back women's competition tremendously you know i think i think that i think well there's a whole lot of stuff i mean you know it's like if that's if that if you're a transgender person great whatever that's cool i get it whatever you know i really don't care but whatever right but when it when but when you're trying to fucking tell like my grandson it when he was five six years old oh that that kid doesn't know what the fuck he is, so he's got to go use this other bathroom. That's gonna that fucks up these kids. 
See that you know? that's where I especially draw the line is where they where they've been trying to indoctrinate children that way. A grown adult can make a decision. A child you know what? When I was a kid, I rode in a Barbie, uh, Barbie car, and I've, you know, when my little cousins came over, I played Barbie with them or My Little Pony. I didn't mean I was gay. It didn't mean I was transgender. It just meant there was toys and I was playing. You know what right. I mean? Well, well, that too. You know, and, and you remember too back then. Because I'm probably I'm probably a few years older than you, obviously. But you know, back then too, it was like. There was no, if it was a sunny day, my mom was get the fuck out of the house. Right. You know, I don't want you in here dirtying up my house. Go out and play. Don't come back till the streetlights are on. (laughs) Yeah, right? Exactly. You know, well, on Martha's Vineyard, you didn't have that. You knew when to come, you knew when you had to be home. But when when I moved out here in 74, yeah, you did it. You had the street lights came on and you better be home because it's going to be supper time. You know, unless, of course, they turn the clocks back and then the lights come on and it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know that. I mean, I, it, it, with my, with my job just, now, <laughs> with my job now, I, I get up and I leave with the with the sun coming up and I come home with the sun going down. So, yeah, I definitely understand. <laughs> yeah, well, for us, when we're working, you know, we got to be, we start at six, so you, you're on the road in the dark, and you're coming home in the dark. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really pretty, pretty fucking weak when they got you working 12 hours a day, and that's, that's the killer, you know, you, you, every now and again, you see one of these interviews on the TV, and it's one of these fucking actors, oh. I was working 12 hours a day, 16 hours a day. Oh, fuck you, you were. You were in your trailer for maybe 10 hours of that, maybe 12, and you worked maybe four or six hours, but no more than that. You know, you got to remember, I work in the industry for real. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's so incredible. And, and they have the air conditioning. One, one of the coolest, One of the coolest sets, though, that I ever worked on, we were doing the Valkyrie reshoots. Okay. When Tom Cruise did that movie Valkyrie about Stauffenberg. Right, right. And we we went out to Lucerne, the desert in Lucerne, and we had to build these. They had these Sherman tanks that, that had been cut up and then welded all back together to look like Panzer IVs. Right. But with the, the the running gear for the, the Sherman tank, you you know, with, w- without hiding it, you're going to know that that's a, a, a Sherman tank cut up. To, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we made these, we had to take all this uh, MDF and we had to make the these, uh, they were like false, false sides, basically. And they hung on the, the, the Sherman tracks to cover them so you wouldn't see them. And then we had to make all the wheels and everything. And it, 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 we did a pretty good job. Right. And the, uh, but the tracks that we used for the, the German tracks were made out of fiberglass resin or something. Right. So we're out in the desert in Lucerne. By 8 in the morning, it's already 110. <laughs> okay. By 10 o'clock, it's like 120 or some shit, and the, the, the fiberglass resin tracks are melting off. <laughs> what a clusterfuck. But we, we managed to get it so that it worked, it worked out and all that. 
but they were doing these runs for special effects, you know, and it's this German column in Africa, and they had all these 250 guys in the, the German uniforms and shit, you know? Right. And all these, all the vehicles, there were motorcycles with sidecars, a truck with a flat gun on it that were real. And it was, it looked really cool. Then they bring in these, this uh, Mustang comes down and basically strafes up the German column. So then they're setting off the special effects of explosions and shit, dude. It was like going back in time for real. It was so cool. I did. That sounds really... that sounds amazing. One one of my favorite stories my uncle used to tell me is uh, he was he used to be a Civil War reenactor. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he's long since passed away. But I mean, uh, he used to tell me a story of how him and his uh, his Civil War reenacting buddies had got picked to be extras in the movie Gettysburg. So oh, that's cool. my my uncle was actually. In the film, I mean, you couldn't tell, obviously, but, I mean, he was there. He was one of the Confederate soldiers, you know, during the Battle of Gettysburg. And uh, he, he he told me it was, like, probably one of the greatest experiences of his life, you know, just being a part of that, especially with how successful that movie became. So I, I can imagine, like, those guys, you know, dre- the extras dressed up in the, uh, the Nazi apparel and, and stuff were... Like, oh my God, this is, you know, some of them may look at it as like, this is my big break, and other ones are like, this is stories to tell my grandkids. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. For me, it was like, for me, it was like 1941 all over again, going across the desert with Rommel, you know what I'm saying? Right. Only I'm not 100 years old. Right. <laughs> But it was it, it it was it was it was really really bitching. And then then I then we did uh before, years before that. I want to say like ninety four ninety five. We did Apollo thirteen. A movie I just watched last week again. <laughs> oh, dude. Well, when he has when he's having the dream segment of himself, ju- ju- you know, getting out of the lunar module and jumping up and down on the moon and shit. Right. <laughs> We we built all that the moonscape and the fucking then they had this model thing it was like we had to put it together but it was like from some museum in the Midwest built all that shit and sent it out to us and we built it and all that so I was I was actually this is true I was actually the first asshole on the moon <laughs> that is true I you know that's that's cool you know. And and then you're sitting there at lunchtime because we did that on the uni back lot. Right. So, you know, they call lunch and you just, you know, you're out there in the sun. You just find a place with some shade, sit down and eat what you can and take get a rest before you go in another fucking eight hours or whatever in the afternoon. And, you know, you can't even you can't even count how many home videos you're in. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you got all these people, the trams coming through, and oh yeah, these are the guys that are working on this, that, and the other thing, you know, and all these people are videoing, hi, and all this shit, yeah, hey, how you doing, whatever, beat it, you know? And then we did the the back lot after the fire, you know, the back lot at uni burns down every, like, 10 or 12 years. <laughs> Coincidentally, no one really can figure out how it happened. <laughs> And then you're, we were out there, Jesus, I, I was there for a whole year. And it was, really, it was really a godsend because at that time, most all the work was going 
went out to uh, Georgia or North Carolina, and it's minimal how many guys they take. So, you know, it was it was really a godsend because a lot of us were over there for more than a year. Right. Working on that back lot rebuild. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's really... And you, you don't, you never know what you're doing. One day you're doing this, and the next day you're doing something, and you're going, "Holy Jesus!" You know. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I remember doing new construction, so I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. I could, I could definitely imagine. But you know, you had mentioned two films that you've been on. I, I one, one question I don't remember Ray asking you is. Uh, like obviously, when we talk, we always talk about Jaws because you know that that's just a huge thing that your your father did. Even you were on set for for Jaws and all, but like like you said, in 1974, you pretty much started in this industry yourself. What are some no, of the I was most? A kid. You were a 1974. Kid. I was a little kid. I was an extra in the in the the sign scene. Right. But what I, what I was yeah. gonna say, what I was gonna say is, uh, I want to hear some of the the more memorable films that you were on that like people wouldn't have guessed that you worked on. Like you know, doesn't matter if it was you put a doorknob on a door for one scene, you know. <laughs> uh, they, well, you know, there, there is there's a lot of there's a lot of shit, man, and it's really if one time I worked on in the army now. Polly Shore. In, in, <laughs> yeah, Polly Shore, and I was I was. But they they had to go out to Arizona, to which was going to be the last part of it. the movie was being filmed. So they left me behind, and I was the on set carpenter while they were filming, because we had the wall that they blow they blow out and he escapes or whatever. Right. Well, it, the, so we had to change out walls for that scene, the before and after look. <laughs> so he's he's in jail, right? And they're trying to film this, and he's shaking the he's like yelling out the bars, the the window or whatever. Right. And they were rattling, so they call me in, and they got, tell me, yeah, make those things so they don't move when you know no rattling and shit when he's over there. I'm like, all right. So I'm I'm over there working, right? And he comes over, and he's like, what? you doing dude and it's like you know yeah whatever and i'm like hey you know i saw you on mtv dude and i gotta tell you you look mighty fine in a dress he got fucking hot dude (laughs) he got fucking hot and and, you know because the whole crew is there the rest of the cast and crew and they're laughing (laughs) you know those people those people they get upset if you're funnier than they are Right. You know, and he was, I mean, I don't get it. I, I mean, dude, they, they did the tent scene where they're having, they're eating and talking. Right. They, that, they did that for like two days, more than that, maybe even three. And it was like, you know, maybe if you people stopped smoking the fucking weed before the scene, you'd be done. <laughs> Just saying, you know, oh, dude, it was, it was, you know. It was pretty, that was pretty trippy. So then one day the, 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 it comes time we got to take the one wall out and then put in the one with the hole blown in it, right? Right. And I'm the only carpenter, so the grips, the deal is that the grips are supposed to jump in and help me move the wall. Right. Well, they caught, They tell me, hey, they're going to they're gonna go to lunch in about a half an hour, so you go eat now and be ready to move that wall. Okay, fine. You know, somebody tell the grips, yeah, okay, no worries. 
So I go over to the lunch truck to get something to eat, right? And the, the dude says, oh, we don't, we don't feed construction. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, you're not, you're, you're not considered crew. I said, oh, okay. I said, well, you see that the UPM was going on set. I said, you see that guy over there in the dress suit? He's like, yeah. I said, that's the UPM. Go tell him <laughs> that Hambone said no feedy, no worky, and he can change the fucking wall. Oh, I got fed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. But it was it was just and, and and it is sometimes it's sometimes it's really really cool, and other times it's just like the it's like the military a lot. Hurry up and wait. Mm-hmm. Well, they you know they 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 shoot something and they don't like it, so then they go back and they have to reset all this stuff, and it's pretty 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 wild, dude. There it is. It's it's like you've never seen so many people that with the production company, and you try to you know you're standing there because you're you got to if they fuck something up, you got to fix it. Right. And you got to do it quick. So you're standing there hanging out, fucking kind of trying to keep an eye on what the fuck's going on, waiting for him to call you, you know? <laughs> and you're looking at about 150, 200 people, and you're trying to figure out, okay, what exactly do these motherfuckers do? Right. Because they're making a whole lot more money than me, and I don't see none of them doing anything. <laughs> then the call comes in, all right, what did fucking Harrison Ford break now? <laughs> well, see, Harrison Ford's cool. He's—I've met him. I, he, my buddy, my buddy's dad was his personal wardrobe guy. Okay. You know, and Bernie, Bernie was cool, but you know, Harrison was Harrison Ford's just a cool guy. You know, I mean, you compare him. I met Jack Nicholson too. And I'll tell you what, I'd rather hang out with fucking Harrison Ford. Really? Jack Jack wasn't fun? Dude, Jack's, Jack is Jack. He is not acting. He <laughs> is not acting. He is just being himself. Okay? And it, it's he's a he's a trippy dude, man. I mean he would he would show up for work and they would drop him off, right? They got a car, brings him and he gets out. And he's still in his pajamas and slippers. His hair's all over the fucking place. <laughs> you know? It's like, really, dude? You know, and how much money are you making? It's a, it's a fucking gas, dude. Some of them. It, so he signed a ball for me. He just scribbled on it. You couldn't really read it or nothing. Right. So the chick, that if, if Jack wants his paycheck, he has to sign for it. They're getting paid such extravagant amounts of money that they have to sign right. for their shit, you know? And the, the chick, and Jack was really cool to the chick. So one day she said something to me, and I said, oh, yeah. And she's like, well, give me a ball. I'll get him to sign it for you. Cool. So she did, and she bring it back, and it says, two ham bone, a ham with a bone, Jack Nicholson. And that's a keeper. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a keeper, you know. It's like that thing's gonna be worth money eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but it, 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 dude, you know, well, you have to, man. You, they, they, you know, you can. They tell you you can get fired for talking to these people and shit, or, or you hear this shit. Here's a, here's my favorite. Oh, if you go and talk to him, you have to address him by whatever the fuck he's playing. You know what I'm saying? 
Oh, you got to call him by character or whatever, not his real name or her real name. So you mean to tell me for the next six months, when he goes home, his old lady's got to talk to him that he's this fucking character? Is it? That is that is the lamest motherfucking thing I've ever heard. See, I don't I don't get that, and I, I don't mean to pick on method actors or anything else, but I mean, for twenty years I I was an independent professional wrestler, and I played two characters in in, in that career, and of course at the shows because you're trying to you know, suspend disbelief, you know, you, you, you have to be referred to as your, your gimmick name in front of the fans at all times. But I mean, never once did I, as soon as I walked out of the arena with my gear in my bag, did I ever once think that I was, you know, fucking Matt Wilde or the 13th apostle, by the way, the two characters I played, (laughs) you know, to me, they were just, they were just gear in my bag. You know what I mean? So I can't imagine some of these people like like I've heard stories about like uh, uh, Heath Ledger, for example, getting into the mindset of the Joker by locking himself in a hotel room for a month, isolating himself and shit. Like like to me, that seems extreme. Just to, well, just to pretend. He was doing enough drugs, though. You know what I'm saying? True, but I'm I meaning I'm meaning just the method behind it is like. That seems awfully extreme. Like, you're purposely trying to make yourself go insane to get into the mind of a character who's insane? You can't just make believe? (laughs) Well, because I don't do it. I really don't know what they do, you know? Right. You know, I mean, like, you got Christian Bale, for example, and he's, that dude's a legend, pretty much, you know? Right. And he he did that, what was it, something, the mechanic or something? And he lost, like, all this weight and became, like, a living skeleton to do the part. Oh, right, right, right. You know, he was eating, like, one apple a day for months at a time. Same with uh, Donnie Wahlberg when he he, uh, got the role to be in the beginning part of The Sixth Sense. Right. Yay. You know, so I don't know what they do or nothing like that. But, you know, I mean, I, I met um, Randy Savage, you know, the macho man, that dude. Yeah, I remember him. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he, was teaching, um, he was teaching him how to do the cage for Spider-Man 2, the wrestling cage thing. Right, right. And then I met J.J. Uh, Watt on another show, that guy that's the defensive end for the, uh, one of these football teams. Did. And I'm pretty sure I could have taken both of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> J.J. Exactly. Watt, doesn't he play for the Arizona Cardinals, I think? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no, he plays for, uh, the, I want to say the Houston Texans, but I'm not sure. Okay. I know he doesn't play for the Patriots. That much I do know, rest assuredly, or the, or the Jets. I know he doesn't play for the Eagles, so <laughs> yeah. that, that, that eliminates three teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm, I know he hasn't won a Super Bowl either. Okay. <laughs> you know? But it is, dude. It's a, it's a trip. Some of these dudes, you know, some some of them, some of them is pretty bizarre because, you know, most most of them, most of them, like they tell you that um, what's his name, Michael um, Keaton, not Michael Keaton. What the fuck is that, George George Clooney? George Clooney. Okay. They tell you he's really tall. He's only my size. I'm five eleven. 511 you know when I when I was I was 5 out of high school almost 6 feet but over time doing construction I lost about a half an inch 3 quarters of an inch right because of my back you know you you our backs collapse 
Oh yeah, I, that's usually what I tell people when they ask me how tall I am. I always tell them I'm five eleven or six foot, depending on which convenience store I'm leaving. Oh. Right. <laughs> you know, a little but, measurement but, thing know, on the door. Clooney, that they're not. They're pretty much every now and again you'll come across one of them that is pretty tall. You know, I mean they're they're taller than me, but for the most part, no, they're they're you know they're all pretty small people. I I knew that from uh, bumping into completely by accident Bruce Willis. Again, going back to the Sixth Sense, I'm from Philadelphia, and I was running around downtown while they were shooting Sixth Sense. I didn't even realize they were shooting it, and you know, not I was a typical teenager, wasn't paying attention to where I was going. Had a Walkman on, and you know, I would I had a bottle. I remember having a bottle. I think of a. a Lipton iced tea, but I had dumped the iced tea out and had Jack Daniels in it. Kids, don't be a delinquent. Um, <laughs> and, you know, as I'm walking, I'm drinking, I'm paying attention to the bottle. I think I was screwing the lid back on or something. I bumped into a dude who proceeded to, who was like only up to my shoulder, by the way. And, you know, he just gave gave me a hard glare and told me to get the fuck out of his way. And walked on, and I was just like, you know, fuck you, asshole. And I took, like, two steps, and then, you know, like, I hate to say it this way, but, you know, like, in the movies where you give that double take? Yeah. That's what it was. I took two steps, and I was like, wait a minute. And I realized I got cursed out by fucking Bruce Willis. (laughs) He's he's small, though, right? Yeah, he's a little short dude. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Well, Harrison Ford's about (laughs) our size. You know, you said 5'11". Harrison's about our size. Okay. And I was walking with him. I asked him to sign a baseball for me. He's like, oh, yeah, sure. And, you know, my trailer's down the street. Uh, my, my, actually, his, he was in his trailer. I'm in a, uh, my golf cart's down the street. And he's like, let's go. And I was like, all right, cool. So we're, ta- we're walking and talking. And he's like, you know, telling me, you know, I, I used to be a carpenter. You know, and he said, well, I wasn't real good at it. I said, well, you're doing, obviously, you're doing a whole lot better than I did. <laughs> Well, that's pretty you much how he I mean, got into Star Wars, wasn't it? He was, uh, besides helping feed a- uh, lines to other actors, he was doing the carpentry for Star Wars. Something like that, yeah. Or for the dude's, at the dude's house or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> but he's a, he's a fucking cool guy, man. Um, Bernie passed, my buddy's dad passed about a week or so before or after my mom, I can't remember. But he went, he went and read a big, long thing at the, uh, at the service for Bernie. Harrison went and read a big, long, old thing for him. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's cool. You know, that's, that's a class act there, dude. See, that's, that's the type of shit I like to hear it's like, like from the, uh, as you said, the, the, the beautiful people, you know, in the previous uh, uh, interview. Those are the stories I like to hear where they actually do, you know, re- uh, for lack of a better term here, they remember where they came from. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude, you know, I mean, it, and it is, you know, you see some of them, some of them, they, one time we were working on a, a, an office building that was right across from, I can't even think, might have been stage 23 or 24 at Sony, um, and while it was the last movie that Walter Matthau worked on, they were doing a Christmas movie or whatever it was, and they had these people came down to us and they're like, hey, if Mr. Matthau comes through here, don't say hello to him. Don't look at him. Nothing. And I'm like, okay, why? You know, what the fuck's the big deal? Right. And they're like, he loves the working guy. 
He will want to hang out and watch you guys work and bullshit with you guys because he he digs the people that actually work. Right. You know, and that's and unfortunately we never did get to see him or nothing. But oh, dude, you know, I mean, some of those people are just really fucking cool. And then other ones. Then you got like Jim Carrey was there. They did. Uh, they paid. I forget what movie he had just done. But they, Sony gave him like $30 million or some shit to do the cable guy. Ugh. Which was a piece of shit. I was about to say money well spent. <laughs> oh, dude, and he's got this entourage of people that's got to be around him. From, I, I never met him, so I don't know, you know what I'm saying? But from everything that I heard, you don't want to meet him. Yeah, I've, I've heard some stories about him. I, I, won't, I won't put him on blast on, on air, but I, I've heard some stories. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, I never met him, so I don't know. But I do know, I do know that what I heard about, you know, his divorce, that lady that was when he was up in Canada. Right. And his wife was taking care of everything while he was struggling. And then he makes the big time and he divorces her. You're a class, a class individual there. Right. <laughs> No, and I'm just, and it is, dude. It's it's hard because you know I'm one of those people. Like, if I'm working with you and you're a shit pot, even if I work on you the next time and you've improved a little bit, you're still going to be a shit pot to me. Yeah, it'll take it take a lot for somebody to see you as otherwise, right? Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like okay, you know, you know, I, I was working on uh, we were over at Fox working on um one of those um oh god. Um, American Horror Stories or some shit. Okay. And one of the guys that they got this, they got this kid working with us. And this kid, he's working with another buddy of mine, and they're putting in a spiral staircase. Well, this kid fucks it up, blames my buddy, and then goes home sick for like three or four days. Okay. And he comes in first thing Thursday morning because we get our paychecks on Thursday, you know? Right. So he comes in Thursday morning, and he's doing the... <laughs> which, you know, the minute you hear somebody doing that shit, if they're not really sick, you start doing it back to them. You know, everybody's going, oh, Jesus, I can't. I got to go home, you know? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, well, I'll just shut the fuck up and go back to work. Well, he was doing that shit, and Gary came in, our boss, and Gary's like, dude, go home, you know? Right. I don't need you getting the rest of the guy sick. So, you know, and it's like quarter to six or whatever, so he, the kid leaves. Well, he comes in, he comes in, you know, uh, the next week of Monday or Tuesday, whatever. He gets his check, and it's light, you know? Well, well you didn't work. <laughs> And he's like, he looks at he looks at the boss, and he's like, dude, I was here Thursday morning. And Gary's like, yeah, but you went home before we started work, so you don't get paid. Wow, really? Yeah, you know, no, you know, and and and, and don't get me wrong, because Gary Gary's a stand-up dude. He really is. He's right. one of the, the coolest people that you could want to work for. You know, his whole, his, even his foreman are the greatest, you know? <clears throat> and, you know, depending on who you are and what's going on, you know, you, a lot of times, fuck, I went to work once and was throwing up. I actually had it coming out of both ends at the same time, and they were like, Hambone, go home. 
and they, they, they didn't pay me for the 12 hours that the crew worked, but they paid me for eight hours. Well, that's cool. Well, yeah, that's, you know, it is. It's like, I didn't do nothing. And they're like, dude, you were here, you know, whatever, you know. But it's also dependent, like I said before, whether you're a shit pot or what, you're one of the people that's always there. Well, you, you bring up you bring up something I I never knew, or at least never would have imagined, is that uh, a lot of the, the 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 construction crews on films are hourly rate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I never would have oh. guessed that. I would have thought they would have given a flat rate salary. Well, some of the commercials pretty much are commercials are a flat rate usually. Usually, if like if you're me, you're going to get a little better money than somebody else is going to get. You know what I'm saying? Because of name and experience, and, and right, and, yeah, 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 right, exactly. But you know, it's it's uh, commercials. Commercials, dude. That's a, that's actually a great gig if you can get somebody that's doing commercials all the time. Fuck, I make more money working three or four days a week on a commercial than I do working six twelves on a feature. What's the uh, what's the uh, work hours on a commercial? Is that like a standard eight, or is it still like a twelve to sixteen hour day? Yeah, yeah. It's usually usually ten to twelve. Usually. Okay. You know, depending depending on what it is and shit like that. But yeah, usually. Um, and then and then what? Usually we're not there when they shoot it, and that's usually when the long days are. That like they'll have uh, you and me come in and work Tuesday to Friday. To, to get it up and get it done, and then they'll come in and shoot on Saturday and Sunday, and then we come back Monday and Tuesday and strike it. Right. Which I, I, I you know what, I was listening to you tell tell that on the, the last interview about how like you you guys and, and like you were saying uh, some of the some of the dudes on the crews that are that are literally artisans when it comes to carpentry painting, you know, stuff like that, and how heartbreaking is it that you put your heart and soul into a set piece? Just to see it be, you know, shit canned. Hey man, they give me a fucking paycheck. I don't give a fuck what they do with it. <laughs> but still, you like, know? is it? Has there been a piece where it's like, you know, I'd rather have taken that home than see you destroy it? Well, you know, yeah. There's uh, there, that kind of happens a lot. You know, I mean, because you know, you'll work, you'll work like. On, I, I left doing features. I got a, a friend of mine brought me over to Fox. They were doing um, doing a um, oh Jesus, a pilot for his TV show, and then he called me and said, "Hambone, I need you to come in and help me for a, a couple of weeks." I'm like, "All right, cool." So I go over there to Fox, and I'm helping him and shit. And uh, you know, most of the guys I'd never worked with before, they're all guys that work on TV. Right. I was a feature dude, and, my, and the go- dude that called me in, Chris uh, Banky, great friend of mine. Chris is Chris is one of those dudes that he's a talented dude. Okay. You know, talented works his work his ass off for you, and he's a funny bastard. You know, so I mean, he's he's a lot of fun to to work with and hang out. You know. And uh, so I go in and I'm working with him, and, and I'm like, you know, we're working, and they call coffee. And it's like, okay, cool. So, you know, you go and you're, you're wolfing down your lunch. And it's like, no, dude, relax. We get a half an hour. It's like, are you shitting me? <laughs> no, and then they then they call lunch and it's like the same thing. Hambone, relax. We get 45 minutes. Are you fucking kidding me? 
What's that like? And then afternoon coffee, same thing. We're working 12 hours, same thing. You get a half hour break in the afternoon. It's like, this is fucking cool. Uh, see, that's, that's what I was about to say. What's that like? Uh, my, my typical day is uh, we, we do at minimum nine hours. You know, we come in at, uh, well, 10 hours for me because I come in at six. We, we, the, the hours are seven to four. And that's supposed to be an hour that's separated into breaks, lunch, whatever the case may be, that you don't get paid for. So it's right. an eight-hour day, but it's, it's nine hours. Right. I'm lucky if I ever get 10 minutes to eat. Oh, dude, and that's how it is on a feature. That's exactly how it is on a feature, and it's kind of embarrassing, too, because, like, you know, you, you talk about going to have dinner with your old lady or your family or whatever, you know? Right. Um, and, and, and I have that. I still have that fucking habit, man, from working, you know, 20 years doing features that you wolf your fucking food down. Right. So that then you can relax for a few couple of minutes. Like, we... In, on a feature, you're working 12 hour. you get 15 minutes, that's it, for coffee in the morning. So, you know, you want something that you can fucking just knock it down. Usually I carry, like, when I'm doing that shit, a couple of those instant oatmeals, you know? Right. So you can fucking put it in water and just drink it like a cup of coffee. <laughs> put it in hot water and fucking gulp it down, and you're good till lunchtime, you know? Right. Um, and then you, your lunch is the same half an hour. That's it, man. That is it. And fucking, and some of these guys will try to fuck you out of your break. Well, you were in the truck on your way back, so that's your break. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> you know? No. You know, my break is when I get off of the truck. That's, uh, that, that, that's, uh, that, that's my boss. Yeah. Did, you know. I'm hungry. Oh, go eat. I'm never going to stop you from eating. Okay. So you go and you brought a sandwich with you for the sake of argument, or you stopped at the, the Wawa on the way, uh, the way to the job site and everybody picked up, you know, snacks or whatever for the day. You, you know, you work outside all day anyway. So you go right, back to right. the truck and you grab your sandwich and you, you, you scarf it down and say for the sake of argument, you try to sit there a minute and smoke a cigarette, just extra five minutes off your feet before you get back to work. Again, you don't pay me for a fucking hour anyway. Right. 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 So you, right. you're sitting there, you're trying to smoke the cigarette or, or, you know, not guzzle down your soda or whatever you have to drink. And my boss will come out of nowhere and be like, I don't see you fucking eating. Get your ass back to work. Oh, dude, when I was working, you reminded me of a great story, man. When I was working on the outside on the vineyard, you know, most all the houses back there are fucking cedar shingles. Right. You know, so they would they would be hand bum. You know, they get the plywood up and shit like that. They got a crew on the inside doing the finish shit, and then you know they want to get out of there, so they got like three or four of us outside fucking shingling. And then in the summertime, they hire a couple of dink kids out of college to help. You know, they're paying them pretty good to come and help us work and shit like that. So I'm up on pump jacks, right? I'm up, up on the gable end of this house. I'm on the pump jacks, and they send this. You're working with handbone, so you, you're going to be up there. And you tell the first thing you tell them, look, we got shingles up there. We got, you know, your your side arms. Then you got the nail guns with the extra nails, Beautiflex, that shit. There's leave your lunch, your coffee, all that shit on the ground. Right. You know, 
because you're going to be going back and forth. You don't want to trip over the shit. And what do these fuckers do every time, dude? They bring the shit up and they put it down on the, you know, right in the middle of the road. So then they're like, they're going up at the side. It's like, Hambone, what do we do here? You know, and you're trying to tell them, you know, you put, you overlap this one, slice it, then break it off, put it in, nail it, and go next course. Let's go, you know. And it's like, dude, didn't I, what did I tell you about your lunch? Leave it on the ground. Oh, well, you know, I didn't think. And it's like, really? And I'd pull out my hammer and just destroy their fucking lunch. Oh. And then kick it off. You know, now you can go to fucking town with the truck. <laughs> oh, man. You know? So one time, one time I've done this. Everybody that ever worked up high with me, I fucking got them at one point or another. You know what I'm saying? So one day I'm working with this other kid, uh, Matt. Matt was his name. I called him Kitty Dukakis because he went to the rehab. Oh. <laughs> so me and old Kitty are up there working. <laughs> and fucking, he's like, Hambone, I need you over here for a minute. How, how do you want to do this? And I go over and I'm, I pull out a cigarette because that's just when I was smoking. Right. Fucking, I light a cigarette and I put my pack down and I'm fucking showing him what I want done and shit. Okay, cool. I got it. Okay, cool. So I go back to what I'm doing. He says, hey, I get about halfway back to where I'm working. And he goes, hey, Hambone. And I turn around. He goes, these yours? And he takes out his fucking frame and hammer. Just fucking destroyed my fucking cigarettes, dude. Uh, I, think were, I think there were two left that didn't get fucked up. Ah, uh, see, now, with, with, the, with prices of cigarettes, especially nowadays, I would have been pissed. <laughs> oh, dude, well, you know, well, well me, man, I, I always carried, like, three extra packs because you don't want to get stuck out in the middle of nowhere with nothing, you know? Well, I was, I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, I wouldn't want to work on set on site with you because uh, the lunch thing and, and the cigarettes thing, that that's not an issue for me. You tell me to leave it down there, I'll leave it down there. But I'll tell you right now, man, I, like, unless I can IV it, the coffee's going to be with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, could, you know, you could. You could get away with keeping your coffee in your bags or something while you were working, you know? Right. And I always did. I always carried I. My whole life I've been carrying coffee, you know, especially years ago when I was drinking, you needed the coffee with the sugar in it to stop the fucking shaking right. from the night before, you know? <laughs> I'm sure there's a whole lot of people that are going to listen to this go, oh, I know exactly what he's talking about, you know, vitamin B, vitamin B. Yeah, you can't, you can't see me because I don't have my camera on, but my, my head's shaking. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it, it is, it's, 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 it's you know... It's, it's, that's what, that's what's really cool about this is it's, it, it's real, it's reality. Oh, exactly. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's how it was. And, and that one time working over there on that show, getting back to that, working on that TV show, I was like, well, this is fucking cool. So I just, I stayed working fucking TV and they, you know, the guy I was working for, Petey's. He's another dude that's great. He is he is a great dude, and he likes to come on and give you shit. <laughs> Mark, he's the boss. He likes to come in and give you shit. And most people will just sit there and let Mark hammer them. Right. Me? You open your mouth, I'm going to fucking close it. I don't care who the fuck you are. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but, but Mark, he's kept me busy. You know, ever since I basically bailed on the fucking, the movie shit. And, and it was like, because most of the time, you know, we're working, you, 
12 hours, you know, six and seven days on a pilot. But then when that when that mellows out in there and they, they pick it up for the season or whatever, then you're working, you know, eight or 10 hours a day. Is it is it uh, is working TV a little bit more? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Steady. As opposed to feature, like I imagine, like you build the sets and props and all that for for feature, and then they shoot, and then you're there to tear it down, and then that's it. No, usually With... not, not anymore. Not anymore, dude. It hasn't been that way for a long time. Now it's now it's it's all about money now. Okay, so okay, so now it's like they they'll bring me, you, and you know, fifty other carpenters in, and we go in and we just beat the shit out of everything get all this shit put up as soon as it's built they want half of these guys gone okay okay so then you know you know they'll keep a few of us around for the swing sets and shit like that you know the stuff that's going to shoot here and there you know whatever and then you know now all of a sudden they're down to six guys and if you're not one of the the six one of the core guys for this certain crew you're shit out of luck right you're out hustling, looking for something else. It used to be, like when I was a kid going to work with Ward on, on the choir boys, whatever, you know, they, the, if you got hired on a show back then, you were there till the thing fucking wrapped. Right. Now it's not, dude. They use the, they use the grips and the fucking, they got all these rules and shit now, so it once something shot, Unless it's a fold and hold, it's the grips and the carpenters if it's a fold and hold. If it's not, if it's a strike, it's sometimes they'll keep carpenters around one or two for that, and the rest of it's grips and, and laborers, and they just destroy it. Well, see, that that's where I was going. Like, I, I know, like, even, even in the old-time uh, days where they where they kept the, the crew on for, for complete rap, like... I imagine with feature film, once the once the film's wrapped and you and you've cleared out the the stage, the the the, the set, whatever the case may be, now you're just stuck waiting to see if you get another job. With TV, like you get on a TV show, like you were saying, American Horror Story, for example, like that's that's done what six seven seasons. Like I imagine, obviously, you you have downtime when the show's oh, yeah, wrapped its season. You're by then you're gone, dude. Um, you know. Um, you, I'm not one of the core guys on that crew. You know, um, they'll carry, they, well, like when, when they go in, the stage is empty. I mean, it depends on who you are. I mean, because there's a lot of dudes that are just like me, only when, when they go on the stage and it's empty, it depending on what, what, which foreman it is, you know, Hambone, what are you doing? You can come in and start tomorrow. And you go in and it's just, yeah, just put your box over there. We're going to snap some lines, shit like that, and fucking we're out of here. Right. Okay, cool. You know, build some, you build some tables, shit like that, whatever. And, but a lot of dudes, man, it's like, you know, and you hear, you hear all these other people are calling because they're looking for work. And they know this is starting. And you call me in two weeks when we get prints. I've heard that a million times. Right. You know, as a matter of fact, somebody asked me about um, fucking Star Wars. Was it Star? No, Star Trek today. Did okay. I ever work on a Star Trek? And the answer to that is no. I know the coordinator that did most all of those, and he's the greatest guy. He, For whatever reason, he loves my dumbass. <laughs> the, the foreman, not so much, because I don't kiss their ass. 
Right. You know, and I'm 57 years old. I've never kissed no one's ass, and it's too late to learn how now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But but that's when I got in in 93, 94. It wasn't about kissing nobody's ass. It was about how good were you. Right. And you worked because, like me, I'm always pretty much always busy, even though... I've been off for the last couple months because of my mom dying. Everybody's still calling me. You ready to come back? Da, 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 da. No. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of digging, getting a little rest. My body's fucking hammered, you know? Well, that was, that was going to be another question I had for you, uh, especially because we're coming up on the hour mark here. Uh, you had mentioned that before before the the coming in breaking into the uh, the movie industry in, in the construction field that you were new development and and stuff that you were a contractor uh, for lack of a better term. Do you ever miss that world? You know, even even in in the repair field, do you do you miss yeah, going to a- normal everyday people's houses to repair a sink or or put in a toilet as opposed to? Yeah, I do, dude. I do, and it's funny that you ask that because I talk about that a lot to the guys that we that I work with. You know, depending on who they are and shit like that, because these young kids would never fucking know. You right. know, these kids that are coming in now, their daddy's the coordinator, and that's how they get in. And they're on the fucking phone, and it's like I'd rather kill you than fucking have to listen to you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, dude, it's like, because, you know, the stuff that you do is going to be there. I've done it myself. There's going to be houses on Martha's Vineyard where a hundred years from now, somebody's going to have to go fix something and they're going to break open. They're going to have to crawl, go up in the attic crawl space or something. And they're going to see on the plywood roofing, you know, in between the fucking rafters, they're going to see this fucking bubble nosed looking dude I used to draw on everything I ever worked on, even in the studios. I still do it. Mean Johnny. He it was a caricature of the guy I worked for. <laughs> big nose. You know, he was the greatest guy. He really was. John was was a sweetheart of a guy. But and he talked like this. Hey, Ham, safety, safety. He, he was a great dude, you know. And I do, I do miss that, because a lot of that shit's going to be there in a hundred years. You know, whether it's, whether it was a deck you put on, or a floor you laid down, whatever. (coughs) See, that, that, that's kind of funny, because you're making me think of the first fence I put up when I joined the company that I'm with now. Uh, The first PVC fence that I, that I actually did, I wasn't just like a laborer in the background, or, or whatever else, you know. So the first post... You know, we cut them to side. We usually dig them down about 32 inches and then, you know, pour concrete into them or whatever. But the PVC post, I had written on it after measuring and cutting the size. I had uh, written on it, you know, my first fence. And, of course, my coworker saw that, laughed, and written on the other side, you're such a bitch. <laughs> now, yeah, now, 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 this fence is going to be up for 20, 30, 40 years right. before anybody has to repair or replace i wish i could be there the day they pull that footer out and they see that shit written on there no you don't no you don't you know it's it's, it's you know because yeah there's certain aspects i miss you know and ray and i talked about it the last time and i think it, it was missing from that interview that tape but we were talking about you know like when I was talking about the guys that are really, really talented, I mean, there's there's one dude, Steve Fegley. That dude is one of the best finished men. Another guy, Jimmy Betts. Old Whiskey Jim. 
God, that's what I call him. Whiskey Jim. Love that guy. They're some of the best finished carpenters you've ever fucking seen, dude. Nice. I'm serious. These guys are like, are you fucking kidding me? I will never in my life be that good. I won't. You know, I mean, <laughs> just unbelievable talent. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I'm People like me because I work hard and I'm funny. Right. You know, and I get a lot of shit done really fast. Um, and, and, but, if, you know, I'll, if I fuck something up, I'll tell you, hey, man, I, I need another sheet of plywood because I just fucked that thing up, dude. And I'll, you want me to pay for it? You want to fire me? Your call. I'll be working in five minutes for somebody else, so tell me what you want to do. Yeah. And, that... you know, and, and that's what it really is. I mean, the outside guys... I miss Gene Pepper was my first foreman, man, and that dude, when I, when everyone else gave up on me because of my drinking and drugging, Gene never did. And he's been one of my best friends most of my, my adult life. He's been like a second dad. Gene is, Gene's a fantastic dude. And, you know, one, he's another talent that workaholic, fucking carpenter talent the dude's amazing right he got a, he bought a planer dude he bought this old craftsman planer <laughs> and it, it was a piece of shit and he fucking cleans the thing up goes and gets a 10 horse fucking motor yeah. and a chain drive sprocket and fucking dude that thing could that thing could fucking mow through five quarter fucking poplar three four sticks at a time Oh, shit. And you're taking off an eighth or more, eighth of an inch or more, and it's not chattering, it's not, dude, it's just, and spitting fucking chunks of shit. <laughs> He's an animal, man. But, he, but, what a, but one of the greatest dudes I've ever known, one of the greatest dudes I ever got to work with. But that's what it's about to me, whether I'm building houses or building sets. It's about the people that I'm with. Well, I, I think you hit it, and I, I think one of the big eye-openers I'm getting from this whole entire conversation is like, you know, even though even though we're we're on two separate coasts, and and you know, you, you're working in the more, uh, for lack of a better term, high-end construction sites since you're working on film and, and and all. It's really not that different. Like the same complaints and the same issues are still there. Like the overwork and underappreciated, the uh, the lack of 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 uh, people nowadays with good work ethics. And it's like it, it's amazing to me to hear that even in Hollywood, where again, like you said, most people they only see the glitz and glamour side, and they think that's all of it. it it's amazing to me to hear that's like you know the 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 construction site. Of a of a film has the same complaints and issues as the job oh, yeah. I just did fucking today. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and here's the thing, dude. Here's the thing, Chris. Okay, like if I walked on where you guys are working, if I walked on there and I'm like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" Your guys are gonna look at me like, "Get out of here, you piece of shit." <laughs> you know, and the same thing if you walked onto the stage and go, hey, what's going on? Get the fuck out of here. You know, you want to talk to the foreman over there, put you... And that's, that's one of the things, back in the day, George Stokes, and I forget the other dude, but it was, I was at, you walked on to uni, and they're like, yeah, put your name on the list. Fuck you. You know? 
they're not going to put your name on the list. They're not going to call you nothing. Fuck that shit, you know? Put right. your name on the fucking list, you fucking ass bag. But, you know, it, and it is, dude. I, I mean, it, all of it, there's, it, there's, it's pretty much doesn't matter whether you're building homes, building fences, putting up fucking scaffolding, whatever. It's all the same shit, you know? And I remember going back, you were talking about, you know, um, the underappreciation. And when I was a kid, I wanted to work. I had some older friends of mine, but they were all, you know, a couple years older than I was. And they all mowed lawns together working for Donnarumma's on the vineyard. Okay. And I wanted a job. And Sandy, the foreman, was like, if you can pick up one of these mowers and put it in the back of this F-250 by yourself. And it was a raised up F-250. Okay. Flatbed, wood sides, wood bed, you know, for fucking carrying grass, mowers, gas, all of that. And I wanted the job so bad that I did it. I got that thing, and they were all laughing and shit, but I got the fucking job. Right. Anyway, one day, it's, it's like I'm probably, I don't know, maybe fucking 14, 15. And we're working over at this house downtown in the summertime. It's right the 4th of July weekend, and we get a call at the end of the day. Go over here. This guy wants his lawn mowed. You know, mow that. You guys are off for the weekend. Cool. So we go down there. See, it's like 4.30 in the afternoon. We've been out in the sun sweating and shit. You know, just like doing construction, only you're pushing a mower. Right. You know, um, so we're, and we're, we're hustling to get out of this guy's yard. He's out on the deck in his front yard. Fucking rich guy. Yeah. Out there on his deck in a fucking... Uh, Chase Lounge drinking a, a fucking tumbler drink, you know, like fucking, say, uh, vodka and orange juice or something out of like a 16 or 20 ounce fucking tumbler cup, you know? Right. So we finish and he's like, oh, hey, man, great. You guys want something to drink? And we're like, oh, dude, that would be great. There's a water hose around the back. Oopsies. Dude, I have, I'm telling you, God is my witness. I have never, that, I'm talking, that was like 43 years ago or something, okay? And I've never forgotten that. Now, anyone that comes here, I live in an apartment building. Anybody that comes here to work on my pad, do, you know, the, even if you're just coming over to hang out, the, I always offer something. You want something to drink? Help oh, yourself. The refrigerator's right there. Help yourself. I got Cokes. Whatever. That it, it, it's, a, it's a common courtesy, and, and it's like uh, you, you're not wrong because, again, in my field, especially during the summertime, man, you work out in, in the sun, in the yard or whatever, for, you know, a day, two days putting up this fence. And, and I mean, it's hard work. Like, I, I'm, I was laughing when you were talking about putting up the lawnmower in, in a, a flatbed F-250. We have F-350 uh, stick, stick trucks, and, uh, you know, we carry a, a gas-operated worm drive uh, single-man auger, you know, a little beaver. And, you know, you you got to power that thing. That thing's about 100 pounds, you know, whatever. You're, you're powering that thing off of a lifted truck and, and, and everything. Um, but what I was laughing about, like, when you said that guy's, like, with the water hose, I have, I've had people that wouldn't even offer that. Like, you, Dude, you, spent, you, you spent three days putting up their, their fence, and I'm talking, like, 300 400 yards of fence you know whether it's whether it's chain link pvc wood or whatever the case may be they don't even offer you a bottle of fucking water 
Right. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Dude, and, and that's the whole thing. I mean, it's like, you know, it's you, you treat people like you want to be treated. That's it. You know, I mean, I tell my grandson that all the time. Don't make fun of people, even though I, you see Tata do it. It's wrong. Sure, I, I get the biggest... I laugh my fucking ass off about some of the shit I say. <laughs> <laughs> even if nobody else does, it's fucking funny to me, you know? Right. <laughs> but, you know, and it, I don't know, man. It, it's Everything's so fucking bizarre anymore. Dude, I, There's there's been so much shit, I mean... You know, I did built houses on the island for like 10 years. I fucking been doing this out here in the movie studios for fucking 26 years. In that, that period of time, before that, I worked for four or five years on the outside doing... All we did was finish work right. in these people's fucking homes, man. I mean, you know, places that I could never afford to even fucking drive up the street without a cop going, what are you doing here? Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I worked in Jim Worthy's house, that basketball player dude. Okay. You know, a million of them. Fuck, on the island, I worked at Cronkite's house. All of them, you know, and... And it's, they're not any different, man. And that's the thing that really trips me out is that these people, because they make a ton of money, really believe that they're better than you are. Ah, uh, see that, that, that's, that's, again, you know, we, we, I, I trying to stay away from the political side, but you know, I, that's one of my biggest issues with, with some of the Hollywood stars today is, uh, ever, ever since the 2016 election, how they, come on and they tell you how you should think and how you should live. Who who made you the ambassador of, of good good ethics and good manners? Just because what, you're on T V? Well the other the other part <laughs> of what the other part of what you're really not saying is, you know they're not, dude. They're catered to. They're taken care of. You know, they're the working people, whether they're poor or they're like me, a little better off than most a lot of people not, I'm, I'm never going to be a millionaire. Never happen. I, I'm just, you know, I'm comfortable. That's it. Right. And, you know, I'm just like you are, or probably 90% of the listeners, I'm a paycheck away from being living on the street, too. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, I mean, all the... And, so I think, to me, I think... I, I know you don't really want to go the political thing, but I think the people that work for a living, that really have to work are better judges of what we need handle in the country than people that have so much money that, that nothing matters to them. They're never going to be living in the street. That's exactly it. You're exactly right. Like, you know, and, and I can't think of, and I hate this term, but I can't think of a more PC way to put it. It's like we're not saying that, you know, the working man's more conservative or, or more liberal or whatever. It's just they have a better idea of how the world works and what leaderships we need to fix the problems in the world because we see them day to day where so many people who, who are higher end money, uh, higher end tax bracket, whatever the case may be, you know, they they've lost touch with reality. They've lost touch with with what it's like for the average person. Well, yeah, dude, you know, I mean, look at look at what's going on right now. I mean, right now, the deficit's more than it's ever been ever. You know, I mean. They're pissing money away and printing more of it. Then it's like, really, this can't keep going on. Right. 
And I think, to me, I think that the, the best answer to, to fixing this country's debt problem is get a couple of single moms in there, a couple of, you know, moms, single moms with kids, because they're going to know how to save money without taking it away from something that you need that money for. <laughs> I'm sorry, the dirt ball at me. I'm a divorced father, so the first thought of a single mother is like, yeah, they'll be fixing the deficit by uh, child support. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's, but, but right now we got all these old, it's all the same shit, dude. These people are fucking the old accountants from the banks and shit that have been rooking motherfuckers forever. Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not ever going to change, and, and it's not their money, so they just, oh, yeah, the taxpayers got it, and it's got to fucking stop. See, you, you know, and that dude Bloomberg that's now running out of fucking New York, give me a fucking break. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's just what we need, some other rich motherfucker, you know? They, 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 they're not the answer. See, you, you, know, you you just hit the nail right on the head, and I, I've on one of our other programs where we do get a little bit more political. Uh, again, I I I would call myself a Trump supporter because of the fact that I there there nobody's given me anything else that would be better. If that makes sense, it's not that I support Trump because I think he's a great guy. I think he's a dick, but I mean, like, if it's a choice between him, Clinton, and and Sanders, I'm going to choose Trump every fucking time. But, you know, uh, you know who, you know who I actually like, dude. I think, I think that you're right. A lot of what you're saying is right, but to me, it's because they're too fucking old. Okay, hey. they're too fucking old. And that being said, the Republicans are not that much different from the Democrats anymore. They're pretty much one and the same, and all they're worried about is them and their rich buddies. Well, that that's what I was going to say. It's like you, you hit the nail right on the head. All, all these people, like since the 2016 election, it's like either you're a Trump supporter or you're a Trump hater, and everything's blamed on Trump and Trump and Trump. And, of course, the Trump supporters, well, Obama was this and Obama was that. You know what? Both of them are just fucking puppets. Well, oh, of course, dude, of course. <laughs> fucking hey, you know that. I mean, you know, you knew that when, when Obama basically saved our economy, you know, and gave the banks all that money out of our social security. I want my money back, by the way. I'm like a fucking bank. That's mine. I want it back, you cocksuckers. You know what I'm saying? With interest. Yo, fucking <laughs> A, and penalties and shit, just like they do us. But, you know, he should, when he, after he gave them that money, he should have demanded that they had to pay it all back and then held the motherfuckers accountable. And instead of letting them walk away, they should have all been fucking strung up. And the, the next group that tries to do this will do the same fucking thing. Hang you right with your wife and kids right next to you. And, I, you know, you don't want to sound like a fucking idiot, but you know what? If you want to stop the problem, then you have to stop the problem. You can't leave something for chance. You know, and, and my point, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, you, you let this guy's kids walk away after you strung their dad up, well, they're going to have a fucking ultimatum. When they get older, they're going to go after you just to spite you. Right. You know? So, I mean, and, and, and it is. It's fucking crazy, dude. I grew up on Martha's Vineyard. I've seen these rich pricks. I've seen their fucking kids. Right. You know? It's like, are you fucking kidding me? And, and, and that was the thing. We used to love when those fucking pricks would come to the island. 
Because <laughs> we, we would fuck with them, dude. You're, you're pieces of shit. You know, with your orange, your brick red fucking shorts, you know, and your lime green IZOD t-shirt. There was a, we used to cut the fucking alligators off of their shirts. <laughs> you know, dude, it's, it's, you know, I mean, now you would get arrested for assault or some shit. I mean, it's just gotten out of hand, man. I mean, you know, like half of the shit I say, even on your program, there's going to be people all. Oh, that guy, oh, he's like, you know what, whatever, man. You know, if you if you don't like me on here and I'm trying to be, I'm trying to hold myself back a little bit, you would hate hanging out with me. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> you know what, dude, you know what, the, the, here's the greatest. I have a Jeep, right, an old 79 CJ5. I've had CJ5s my whole life. Okay. Now, the greatest is a stick shift, right? Because you see these assholes taking their time across the crosswalk while they're texting. Uh-huh. And in the summertime out here, it gets the, the pavement's got to be 100,000 degrees, you know, baking in the sun. And you come flying up to the intersection that they're crossing, drop it in second and boot the clutch. And when those big fucking tires, the friction... <laughs> <laughs> And watch these people shit themselves. <laughs> and I've been doing it my whole life, and I just can't stop, dude. It's like when I used to drink and I couldn't stop, you know? I'll, I'll be an asshole forever, and I just can't stop. I love it. <laughs> Look, I, I had a friend that I used to play Dungeons & Dragons with in high school. And uh, his, uh, his roommate was a 30-year-old woman. And she told me a long time ago, when she was 30 and I was like 17, she told me, it, it, when, by, by the time you reach 30, if you haven't grown up, you don't have to. I've lived those words. <laughs> yeah. So I'd be, I'd be right in your passenger seat, like fucking, like with my camera phone out, like recording their reactions as you're fucking dropping that clutch and booting and booting it just to watch people's reactions. And then oh, I'd post it on fucking... Man. Then I would post it on fucking YouTube. <laughs> you know, dude, it's it, you know, there's something to be said for it, and what she said is true. You know, my old lady's Latino, Latina, whatever, and she she's always you you need to grow up because I've got a nine year old grandson, and I fuck I fuck with him like I would if I was a nine year old kid. Right. You know, and, and it's like she gets all pissed off. We're in a store, and I'm fucking around with him or whatever, <laughs> and she gets all. Oh my God, David! And it's like, yeah, okay, relax. You know, it's like Jesus. I'm having fucking fun with my fucking grandson. Well, that that's exactly because I, I remember uh, when I was still a musician, and 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 you know, this is this is past thirty years old. You know, I was still you know trying to just play gigs, stuff like that. So I mean, my work ethic was always there. I'd work my nine to five, and I'd give it my full attention. And afterwards, I would go to the band practice and you know, spend two, three, four hours with that. And then I would go, you know, hang out with the band afterwards. And that's where like the silly side came out. That's, that's when like, uh, the work, the work me shut down, the responsible me shut down. And then me and my, my boys are fucking hanging out in Walmart late at night, fucking hacky sacking in the middle of the toy section. <laughs> 30 year old man. I don't care. <laughs> you're saying dude you know and, and i think i think that you know i think that people that are like that will live longer than people that are all fucking uptight 
You know, I mean, it, it is. It's it's a trip, dude, because you go back to what we do for a living, man, and a lot of the shit that we do, you're building walls, whether they got doors in them, windows in them, whatever, you know, in and out, one after the other, and then you're, okay, you're doing a bathroom, so now they want to, you got to put a fucking a camera port in the shower so they can get a picture of this person getting a shower, whatever, and then, okay, wait a minute, now you got, you want, they want the whole shower to go away so that somebody can get in there with a camera and watch this chick brush her teeth or whatever the fuck, you know what I'm saying? Right. So it's, it's like they just keep adding shit one after another, and for us it's like, you know, every time it's at the last minute. You know, you're, you're like, you're 2.30 in the afternoon, you're packing up, thinking, okay, we're the fuck out of here. And you're putting your shit away, and in comes the foreman. Oh, we're going long. It's like, fuck, dude, really? <laughs> I'm going to it'll fucking 6 o'clock for this shit? Are you fucking serious? I mean, you know, and, and that's what I mean, dude. And then, and then it just goes in the fucking trash. You know, we put the fucking the fake tile on there, you know, you, they go to this certain place, wherever, and you, you can get br fake brick, fake tile, whatever. And then you have to sit there and figure out the layout and then shoot it all on so that there's no bubbles and all this. It's a fucking hoop. Right. You know, it is, it's, it's a pain in the ass. A lot of it just, you know, it, it takes, it takes time. And there's always somebody that's going to go, Oh, you know what? What the, they treat you like you've never... I've been doing this for th almost 30 years, and there's always somebody, you know, that's not how I, I would do it like this. Well, that's good. Go over there and do it like that. <laughs> by the time you're... I'll, I'll be on my second fucking wall by the time you get there. You know, unfucking believable man. It's like, this ain't my first clam bake. Right. You know? See, I'm always, I'm, you know, out, out on the job site, I'm always, especially because I'm, like, one of the newer guys for, for the company, you know, I'm always willing to hear, like, their shortcuts or, or the way they do things because it might be easier. But I, I, I know what you're saying because I've been on many a job sites where it's like, oh, I wouldn't do it that way. Well, fuck it. Either do it yourself or get the fuck out of my way because it works for me. Yeah, and, and that's how it is, dude, you know, because I've been in position of authority before, whether you're the gang boss or the foreman or whatever. And, and a lot of times, okay, I, we got to do this, da-da-da-da-da, what do you think? You know, if somebody's got a fucking easier way to do this shit, let's hear it, because I'm all about it. You know, anything that's going to get me out of here early, <coughs> if I'm all about it. Right. You know, fuck, man. I mean, you know, because they'll tell us, oh, we got to work the weekend to get this done. And th then you come in Saturday morning, and they're like, yeah, as soon as we get this done, we can go home. And then, you you know, you're done with it by 10 o'clock. Oh, you know what? We decided we, since you guys did that, we're going to do this now. And then you're there till 6 o'clock at night on fucking Saturday. <laughs> okay? And then the painters come in. The painters come in because they got to paint it so it's ready to shoot Monday. And Richie and them, they come in, they fucking, they put the one dude's cock in everything, somebody else is cutting it all in, and somebody else, two other guys are just rolling their fucking little hearts out, you know what I'm saying, or spraying whatever. Right. And they're, they're there at six in the morning, they're fucking home at drinking by ten o'clock watching football, Sunday morning, they're done. <laughs> and they're getting paid for the twelve hours. You know, it's like, really, how come you keep us? And we, we, you hear that all the time, and now it's just like, fuck that, dude. You know, oh, as soon as you're done, go get fucked. 
Because you ain't going to let us leave. Note to self, if I ever decide to relocate to California and uh, get a job with Hambone, become a painter. <laughs> you know, and that was that was my biggest mistake because my old man was the was he he was a legendary painter in the business. You know, and I got in my first bunch of days with him, and then all of a sudden, no, oh, you can do construction. Okay, you're going to work with the carpenters, ah. And dude, I now you know. Twenty six years later, my back's all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should have stayed with my dad. You know, in in that that too. You know, I mean, because my old man, fuck. There's so much shit that you know people ask me now that I never I never thought about asking him. You know, right. He's, it was, it, you were around it all the time, you know, and in that being said, you don't ever think these people are just going to up and fucking die one day, you know what I mean? Right. And then all of a sudden, oh, too late, you know, can't ask them now, you know? <laughs> so, you, you know, it, it's it's really a drag. I mean, you know, and all the guys that worked with my dad, you know, whether my dad worked for them sometimes or they worked for him sometimes, whatever, they were all fucking... They, I didn't work with them, but I knew them all because he worked with them all the time. So I knew who all these people were. And they, these people were incredible, dude. Oh, you, well, today you're not going to be painting this wall. I'm going to pull you off. I need you to do signs all day. And these, okay, cool. And they'd go over here, sit down, and fucking start painting out signs all fucking day. Right. You know, oh, you know what? We're gonna. We're, we decided that we got a little spare time. Why don't you go and fucking do a design on something, and so we can silk screen a bunch of shirts for the guys. And that that, that painter dude's doing that. <laughs> you know, I mean, fuck Jaws, dude. When I was a little kid, and they were doing Jaws, that was that was in the paint shop. That fucking emblem that you see every now you. See, you go to Martha's Vineyard and they sell it at all the fucking souvenir shops now, that same Jaws design. Right. And that was, you took down, you went down to the paint shop on Martha's Vineyard when they were there filming Jaws in 74, dropped a couple of shirts off, go back in a couple of days, oh, here you go. Now it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's a fucking trip, dude, you know, it was a, but that, you know, and somebody asked me about that the other day, you know, well, you were in it, right? And I'm like, yeah. And But, you know, I was in the background. That's all I was. I fucking go up the hill, go back down the hill, whatever, you know? Right. No big fucking deal. Yeah, you weren't you weren't Alex Kirshner getting eaten by the shark or anything. You were just in the background. Right, no, that was that was Alex Kittner was Jeff Voorhees. I went to school with him. He, he was, we were in the same class. And, but, you know, it was, it was, I, dude, I remember him signing autographs when we were kids, no sooner he did the movie, you know? Oh, yeah, he was the kid, oh! <laughs> but it, it's just, you know, I don't know, man, it's, it's a fucking, it's just a fucking hoop. Now, I mean, you, you know, you're talking, what, 45 years ago? I know, it's been forever, hasn't it? Dude, you know, I mean, I was a little kid, now I'm like, I'm done. Yeah, but you know? I don't. I don't want to break your heart, but it was uh, two years before I was born. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was born in 1962. Uh, a year, a year and two weeks after I was born, they killed the first Kennedy. Oh man. You know, yeah. I, I, of course, I don't remember it, but I, I know, you know. But Bobby Kennedy, a few years after that, 
Martin Luther King. I mean, and it just goes on, you know. I mean, and I think, I think though, I re, knowing my history and shit, I think that probably when they killed John F. Kennedy, that was the end of our democracy. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, I mean, I, I know, I know for a fact that we he wasn't he didn't want to go to Vietnam. He had already signed a declaration to bring the first. Uh, there were 44,000 guys already in Vietnam that Eisenhower had sent. And he signed the thing. They were The first 14,000 guys were slated to come home a week after they blew his brains out. And then, of course, we all know what happened after he was assassinated. Lyndon Johnson, you know, started sending guys in there like it was water. Yep. See, you know, I... See, I don't have those great stories for for the year I was born. No, what what happened in '77? Uh, Star Wars and, oh, dude, and you, Elvis was, died. No, '75, May '75, man, April, May '75. Saigon fell. I was 12, 12, 13, and and you're sitting there watching TV, going, "We lost America, lost." Right. You know, and then you had the Watergate thing. You know, Led Zeppelin was still touring then. <laughs> you know, well, you have to you have to add that because they were, you know, arguably the greatest rock band ever. See, I, I, I that that used to be a phrase in in my old band, uh, my last band, Disillusion Purity, which we uh, we 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 stopped performing together in '08. But uh, you know, whenever we were writing new songs, and my guitarist like. My my guitarist Josh Serbo, I swear to God, this this kid should have been born in the seventies. Like his talent was unreal, but he gets so frustrated with a with a guitar solo or something that he because he was really intricate. He he loved getting really down and dirty with with the solos, and he gets so frustrated. And the phrase was, you know what? There's twenty two frets on a guitar, six strings. There's only so many chord combinations you could do, and Led Zeppelin's done them all. Less, yeah. <laughs> no, more or less, yeah. You know, and it, it's really a trip too because 1979, of course, Zeppelin was done after 1979, 80. They were done. Bonham died, and that was all. That was it for them. But by that time, punk was coming around. 78, 78, 79. Punk was a big thing, and I still to this day hate that shit. <laughs> but it's it's like it's like. Talking to me about rap music is, but they're one of the, they're almost the same thing. To me, they're, I think, punk has a, a lot more talent to it still than rap does. But then all, then you had alternative music came around. That's what a quote unquote alternative, the Smiths, Morrissey shit like that. And dude, I'm a huge Morrissey fan. <laughs> don't ask, I don't even know why, dude. But it was like, here's this one dude. I mean, you know, Robert Plant, Led Zeppelin, all they sang was love songs for the most part, you know? Right. And here's this fucking kid from England singing shit about everybody's life. You know, like, listen to the lyrics for How Soon Is Now. You go to a bar, you see some great-looking chick, but you don't have the balls to go over and talk to her, so you go home by yourself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I think that everybody can relate to that. I'll tell you what, though, with the uh, the only thing I'll argue with you with the punk scene, I will take the Sex Pistols or or Black Flag or or uh, uh, the original Misfits 
any day of the week over the modern punk movement. You know, Blink-182 oh, yeah, shit. There was, a, and there was a band out in New York back then called the Blackjacks. And they were like a heavy metal punk band. And they were great, dude. They were fucking great. You know, but there, and then there, were, there were a ton of bands out of Boston at that time, too. Right. You know, I think I think the scene was Boston and New York in the this eighties. I, I mean, think they put they put L.A. to fucking shame, dude. Well, I was about to say, I think I would argue the point that it was the East Coast in general, because like you, when you're talking the eighties, you're talking like the movement of uh, the 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 glam rock scene, and and I mean, as much as the Sunset Strip influenced it, there was also huge boom out of Jersey and Philly and. Yeah, <laughs> New York, yeah. and I, I think I think the East Coast was a hotbed for that music scene back then. Well, back in and then back in the eighties and nineties, you had like there was a place over here not far from me on Lancashire, um, Lancashire, and like uh, Magnolia or something. It was called the FM station, and you could go there, dude, on a Friday, <laughs> Saturday night, and see six or eight different fucking bands. Right. The only thing was, depending on who was around at the time, like if Guns N' Roses was around, right. then all these people, every one of them tried to sound like Guns N' Roses. Oh, you yeah. Know, if it was Aerosmith, they all were trying to sound like them. And it was like, don't any of you people have your own identities? See, you, you bring up something that's like, a, I, I, it, 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 it brought me back. I remember uh, Disillusion Purity, which was the name of my last band. Uh we were setting up a gig out in Colorado, uh, Denver, Colorado, and it was going to be a New Year's Eve party, and we were going to headline the New Year's Eve party. We were going to have like four or five different bands, and we were headlining. Dude, we were ecstatic because it was being put on by the radio uh, station out there, KBPI, which was their rock station out there. And we were ecstatic. Like we were telling our friends, our family, like, dude, this, this, this is huge, you know? And, like, not only are we on the show, we're headlining, you know, fucking a week before New Year's Eve. The bar decided to cancel the whole entire thing and went with a fucking DJ. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Oh, you know? that's soul crushing. I, that, you know, we, we talked about movies for the longest time, but like in the music, especially for the up and coming musician, it is so fun. I think it's harder now than it's ever been. To, to try un, unless you're like a rapper or something like that you just you know make a YouTube video with uh, with Fruity Loops programs and, and pre-generated beats but I mean like right. actual musicians like I, I, I've seen on your profile you, you play music you, you, you know what I'm talking about like putting in the work and effort and practice all the time and there's like nowhere to perform anymore well there's there's that there's that to be sure dude but you know it's it's also None of these, none of these companies, like back in the day, the the eighties, the, the late eighties, early nineties. If you went down, you know, to Hollywood and you went down the Sunset Strip where it wraps around, and this is before, way before, uh, where the, all the clubs are, the, the, the where everybody plays. Um, oh Christ, I can't even think any of the names of them anymore. Um, the whiskey's down that way, whatever, you know? Yeah, the Rainbow, the Whiskey, Go-Go, all that, yep, those places, exactly. yeah. Well, all those companies were on that, the other side of the street. You had fucking, um, what do you call it there, that, that signed Geffen Records, 
all of them were down around there, you know, and they would send people out to these clubs to watch the bands. And if somebody showed promise, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And now they, they got rid of all that. So now they're trying to, now everybody's scrambling, trying to get back to that. There was a band, there's a band around called Greta Van Fleet, and I like them all right. But, you know, and they are, they're very, they're very Zeppelin-ish. You can tell those kids listen to a lot of that shit we grew up with, you know? Right. But there, there's one thing, man, they started, I saw them a couple times across from it, the Ford Theater, across from the Hollywood Bowl, and they were great. But then all of a sudden their second album came out. The, the first album was an EP, so basically their first real record. And they, they, they started dropping all the, 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 the great stuff from their EP that they had. They started to fucking, well, we're not going to play Edge of Darkness anymore. What, are you out of your fucking mind? Oh, we, he's, because Jake, the, the, one of the brothers, wants to do these 20-minute guitar solos like Jimmy Page. Well, hold up, dude, because first off, you're not. Yeah. Secondly, I'm a guitar player. I've seen it all a million times, dude. You're boring me. Right. Very, you know? very few people could fucking hold a, a ten-minute uh, solo session like somebody like David Gilmore. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't even want to see it anymore, dude. You know, I mean, it, that was what was epic about Led Zeppelin when Jimmy Page did the, the original 20-minute guitar shit, he did it in the middle of fucking Dazed and Confused, and there were a hundred different parts. Right. You know, it wasn't just one... I mean, because in 77, Page started doing those guitar solos. He'd do this, this, the uh, Star Spangled Banner, and then this guitar solo thing. And it's like, dude, really? Why? You know, first off, you're all strung out on fucking heroin. You don't even know what you're doing, and I don't care what you're fucking doing. It sucks. Stop. Play a song. Right. You know, and and, and that's the thing, man. You know, I think that even even now it's 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 the greatest because you go on one of these sites and they're talking about Greta Van Fleet, and I'm going, dude, I don't need to hear this kid that wants to be Jimmy Page because he's not, and it's boring. Oh, you're you're a hater. No, I'm not. I'm a musician. Oh, you that, know, that, that, I do. You know, that's what I do. When I'm not swinging a hammer, that's what I like to do. It's you know, and and it is. There's not a lot of talent anymore. There really isn't. You know, I mean, you watch that ta- that talent show on the TV with the judges. You know, and that one guy Simon, the asshole dude. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, America's Got Talent. Yeah. Right, and every occasionally there's somebody on there that they, they, there's some kid or whatever that you've never seen before, never heard before, nothing, and they're, and they're belting out some song like they fucking wrote it. Right. And I mean, you can't help but get, it, it either chokes you up or something, or you get really excited, but they hear somebody that's, that should be making records because they're that good. Like yeah. Van Halen, when Van Halen first came around, they were doing shit that nobody else was doing. No, you're absolutely right. And I, I mean, I remember th- I remember uh, American Idol, the other show that Simon was a part of, and I one of the last seasons I watched, um, they had two guys on there that were just phenomenal. 
Uh, one was Bo. It was the season that had Bo Bice. I don't know if you're familiar with him. You know the the, the country singer. He had he was a re- one of the two that was really really good, and he got runner up. But there was another guy. Uh, I think his name was like Dimitri or something like that. And this dude was nailing songs like fucking "Somebody to Love" by Queen. And I mean, he was. I'll say it straight out. He was putting fucking Freddie Mercury to shame. And I'm sitting there like, how did this fucking dude not win? You know, how did this guy not win? Like, of course, they went with the pop singer, you know, blah, blah, blah. But this dude showed how much range and talent he had as a singer. And you're just like, how the fuck are you not the winner? I know, right? (laughs) Um, no, dude, you know, but I mean, and, and it's really incredible, too, because, you know, there's so many, there's so many people, I was watching something, and they were talking about, it was one of those shows, and they're talking about the, the like, the, the top 25 or top 50 most talented women in music, you know? Right. And Janis Joplin doesn't, I think she was, like, 25 or something, and it's like, a, and then they're talking about fucking, um... Oh, the the black gal that killed herself in the bathtub there. Oh, uh, 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 Aaliyah or something? I forget. It was a long time ago. She was married to Bobby Brown or something. Oh, Whitney Houston. There you have it, right. And, and, oh, well, she opened the door. No, 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 no. If Janis Joplin hadn't done what Janis Joplin did in 68, 69, none of these chicks would be anything. Right. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong Janice at all. Joplin's the one that knocked down the fucking doors and told them that because she wanted that album, Cheap Thrills, to be called Sex, Drugs, and Cheap Thrills. And the record company said, nope, we can't do that. And she said, well, then it's going to be Cheap Thrills. And they said, nope. And they, she said, okay, I'll, I'll walk with it and take it to somebody else and I'll get it printed in two minutes. And they were like, okay, Cheap Thrills it is. <laughs> You know, because they knew she was right. She's going to take that record. It was like when when Led Zeppelin, um, Jimmy Page, did the Yardbirds thing. And they went and recorded Zeppelin 1 before they even started touring. They took it to Atlantic Records and and got $200,000 for it, unheard. They didn't even play it. Jimmy Page said, I want $200,000 for this right now. And if you don't, I'll take it to Decca and Elsa and fucking that guy, uh, Hardigan, said, okay, fine. And they gave him the money. <laughs> the rest is history. But I mean, and that's what I mean. I mean, going back to Van Halen, you know, their first couple albums they did, they were fucking incredible. Right. You know, they're doing stuff that no one ever did before. But that being said, then, you know, they're doing... You know, the last couple albums with David Lee Roth, I loved all of that shit with David, you know? Right. Uh, if I want to listen to Sammy Hager, I'll put a Montrose album on. I stopped listening to them with Sammy Hager, you know? See, a lot of people a lot of people argue that Sammy was like the front man for, for Van Halen, especially with the uh, For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge album. Yeah, but but I'm right there. I'm right there with you, man. It was, it was you know, for me it was 1984, and... and and you know albums like that. It was it was fucking the David Lee era. First and shit, dude. That shit was fucking rad. But that being said, by the t- after that, it doesn't really matter whether David's there or Sammy's there, because Eddie was a one trick pony. That's all he had was that technique, that hammer on pull off technique shit. The the single hand arpeggios, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. And then and <clears throat> to me, you, you know who my, Michael Schenker is. 
played Shouts the UFO a million years ago. Yes, okay, yes, yes. His brother with the scorpions and shit. Well, Michael Schenker is, is probably the fastest, most melodic guitar player I've ever fucking heard. And, you know, I mean... To this day, you put on that album by UFO with Out on the Street, listen to that one song, Out on the Street, and that's arguable to me, arguably the best guitar solo in rock fucking music, period. Better than Stairway to Heaven, all of that. That dude starts off with this real slow melodic, oh, you can do this at home. And then it builds to this crescendo, and he's fucking gone. Yeah, if you can keep up with me, beautiful if you can't suck my dick he's gone <laughs> you know what i'm saying and it's fast and melodic and i mean and he's just unfucking real you know he always was and, he, and yet again another egomaniac but he was a hell of a guitar player he had a right to be an egomaniac right right and you know then you look at somebody <laughs> like like ted nugent we all grew up with ted nugent uncle ted and, and the guy's a fucking idiot you know, I mean, he he did. He had a couple of good, couple of early albums. Probably the best album that he ever did was that live one. Um, uh, what the? I can only live Bonzo. Right, right, okay, yeah. Okay, I... that was probably the best album he ever did. Now, now here's the thing about Ted. You know, he talks about the guns and killing everything and shit like that. That motherfucker went and shit in his diaper. To, to get out of Vietnam, from what everybody tells me. <laughs> you know, and it's like, really, but you can pack guns and go and kill fucking animals that can't defend themselves. Oh, you're a badass, Ted. Gotta go and give you that. Get the fuck out of here. You know? Oh, well, I kill it and I give it to these people. Fuck you. You know? I make enough money that if I want a steak, I can go to the store and get a bison steak or a fucking cow steak, whatever. I'm not gonna... And especially now, with Lyme disease, really? You're going to kill a deer and eat that shit? Are you out of your mind? You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, like going back to guitarists, though, like, I, like I was telling you about my, my former guitarist, the Dissolution Purity, to give you an idea of, of like his, his artistic range. Like, he was heavily influenced, uh, I know you know these names, by uh, Dave Mustaine of Megadeth and Joe Satriani. Like, you, you can't really go wrong with those names as, as mentor well, pieces. Well, you know, they're, they're both, you know, they're both good, great guitar players, just not my style. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, they're, they're good at what they do. Not, not my bag, but yeah, they are. Um, Satriani, that being, didn't he play, didn't, what, didn't, no, I'm thinking Steve Vai. He was the one that played with Frank Zappa. Right. <clears throat> And you had to be incredible to play with Frank Zappa. <laughs> Zappa was, you know, Frank Zappa was a, another one that was way ahead of his time. Um, but, you know, there is, dude. And the thing about it is, here, here's, here's the thing, though. For every one of those guitar players that we know, that's, a, you know, a gazillionaire, whatever, you know, there's somebody out there that's even better than they are. Oh, yeah, yeah. that just wasn't discovered. Right. Oh, yeah, dude. You know who Randy Hansen is? You ever hear him? No, no, that name doesn't ring a bell. Okay, well, Randy Hansen's out of Seattle, uh, Washington, more or less, and he's, uh, he's one of, he does Jimi Hendrix. Okay. He's one of those guys that goes around and performs Jimi Hendrix shit. Now, here's the thing. 
that guy ain't nothing to look at, but he plays shit. He's you would sometimes you listen to him and you're you would swear you're listening to Jimi Hendrix. Oh, nice. Now here's the thing about this guy. He even does shit that Jimi Hendrix himself would not try to play live because it's too hard. Well, that, that's what I was about to say. Jimmy, Jimmy. I mean, I, I'm not going to knock Jimmy for people because I know he's considered one of the greatest rock guitarists. One of, not the, but one of. But I, I think Jimmy wasn't so much technical as he was feel, soul. There, well, there was just something about what he played. It wasn't, it wasn't the technicality. It was just the emotion that it, that it, that it gave. You know well, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Hendrix, Hendrix was, Hendrix was way ahead of everybody else, I think. Oh, notwithstanding, think, notwithstanding, yeah. Right, I, but I think that if he didn't, if he hadn't have died in September of 60, September 70, if he hadn't have died, he would still be, he would have, he would have maybe toured once, twice, more, two more times, and, I, and I'm telling you, but after that, he would have been in the recording studio, period. And you would hear him, his new shit on the radio, but he was, he was the dude that was, Basically, um, the guy to hold responsible for us having fucking the the, the uh, foot pedals for your guitar. Right. He was the dude that had that shit invented, so he could use it shit live, get those sounds. Um, he was a fucking he was a fucking maniac. That dude was. I think he was way more technical than people give him credit for. That being said, yeah, he was very soulful to be sure. But it was just, that was just the way he was. Right. You know, I mean, that dude was, you, you got to go and listen to a song off of uh, the Cry of Love album. You got to go and listen to Peace in Mississippi. All right. Now, Peace in, Peace in Mississippi, you listen to that fucking guitar, the, the, the guitar that he's, he's using like three different overdubs on this thing, okay? Right. But the one main guitar that he's just ripping, dude, I'm still trying to get that sound. And I've been playing since I was 12. I'm now 57. That dude was fucking so far ahead of everybody else. It's not. It's sick. You know, and the guy was out of fucking control. Right. You know, I mean, imagine him. Imagine him. You, you've seen the footage of him playing that acoustic 12-string guitar. Right. Imagine if he'd have gotten his hands on one of those fucking things Jimmy Page used to wield around the double neck. Oh yeah, the double neck, the twelve and six. Yeah. I mean, I I can play one. I love it. I think it's I think it's out of this world. But I'm no fucking Jimmy Page, and I'm no motherfucking Hendrix. But to me, there was just something about those twelve strings. It was actually easier for me to play. That's than... funny. I, I was always a rhythm guitarist uh, when I when I would play. So I was never very technical. I never tried to take the lead part, but the twelve string always scared me. <laughs> I don't know why, but it did. I think it was just the six extra strings. The sounds incredible, man. Oh. I got I picked up an old court twelve six court double neck, and it's a it's a tank, dude. It's a fucking tank. But the sound is like, you know, all of a sudden you're writing them. You you pick it up and you start fucking around, and you're all of a sudden you're just writing songs to be able to play with that 12 string. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's so inspirational. If you're a guitar player, and, you know, and you know what the fuck you're doing, it's actually really inspirational because you're challenging yourself. 
I'm a guitar player, but I wouldn't necessarily say I know what I'm doing. I, yeah, well, I know, I know enough to write a song. <laughs> no, I'm the same way. You tell me, don't play this scale. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> I, well, mean, the... you know, I mean, I can play, but and it's, and it's crazy because people go, dude, you're incredible. What are you doing here building? You should be out playing. No, I'm good at what I I'm good at what I do. I don't have a fucking clue what I'm doing. I just like what I'm hearing. Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's how I look at it. Everything. I mean, I'm the same way with carpentry. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but it looks good. There you go. Yeah. I don't know if it's in code, but uh, it looks nice. <laughs> well, dude, you know, and that's what that's what's really funny. You were talking to me about. When I moved out here in 1993, no, 1990, it was right after, it was like a, right after Stevie Ray died. Right. I moved out here, and one of the guys I was working with said, dude, you're going to fucking hate it because the building codes and shit in California are way harder than they are here. So I come out here, and I'm working on the outside. There's no plywood on anything. <laughs> okay? It's just... You, two by fours, and then they put chicken lath over it, and then they plaster it. Done. Oh, Jesus Christ. No insulation. And you wonder why shit falls down when there's an earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Dude. It's, it's, and then, you know, okay, we, the way we put our, do, our door assemblies. You know, we, you got the king, the, the, the stud and the, the jack. Right. The king stud jack assembly, and then the header sits on the jacks. And right. you got to double side it. You got to nail it from both sides so it don't come apart. Right. Out here, oh no, dude! Their header does not sit down on the jacks. It's usually about an inch, inch and a half off of the jacks. Why? I don't know. And then, and then the jacks they call them they call them trimmies. In the, the the fucking the three nails, three nails. That's it. So that if you need to shim it, you can just reach in there with a flat bar and kind of adjust that trimmer. Oh god. Where we always we we had everything nailed solid, and then when you put your jam in, you shimmed it. Right. You didn't fucking pull the trimmer apart. You know the the jack apart from the king stud. You know what? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> and, and it is. It's crazy out here, dude. And then after the '94 earthquake, which I was in, and it's—I'll tell you what—I'll take I'll take hurricanes all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will take hurricanes all day, blizzards, all of that shit. Earthquakes are fucking scary because you, 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 they can't predict them. Like they can tell you, oh, this weekend, you know, we got a hurricane coming in. Going to be here for three, four days. You know what I'm saying? Right. You don't know, and then all of a sudden, boom, it hits, you know, and the freeways come down, and oh, dude, it's fucking nuts. That's sounds crazy. like a freight train. That's it does, crazy. seriously, it sounds like a freight train coming. And then everything just starts shaking. It's fucking, it's really unnerving. And, you know, I don't consider myself a wuss, but in those conditions, sign me up. Well, I was, I was about to say, I, I don't know if it's necessarily being a wuss, being in an earthquake like 90, uh, California 94. I, I don't think anybody would think any less of anybody for soiling their underwear in that condition. Like, let's, let's be fair. <laughs> it, it was fucking crazy, man. I was lucky. I was, I was home. It was uh, Martin Luther King Day, and I was home. I'd just gotten laid off of a show, 
So I was taking a couple days off. I mean, that's the beauty of working in this industry is that you make so much money that you can go, you know what, I worked for four months, I made this, I'm going to take a month off. Right. And do absolutely whatever the fuck I please, maybe collect a little unemployment, you know what I'm saying, whatever. Right. So I was lucky. I was in bed sleeping next to my old lady at the time, and I heard that fucking sound, and it just... You, you've been through one before, you know what that sound is. I grabbed her, threw her on the floor. She said, what the fuck are you doing as I'm getting on top of her to protect her if anything falls? Next right. time I know better, next time I'll fall on the floor and use her as a shield. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and they say chivalry, chivalry is dead. <laughs> oh, dude, you know, well, it, it's a trip because, okay, this just recently we had a, a stringer... Um, Little earthquakes not far from here. I never felt any of them, but we had a bunch of them. So they, they, there's an app you can get now for earthquakes. Right. An, an alarm, right? It doesn't fucking work. <laughs> it doesn't. You know, and, they, and you, you listen to these fucking politicians talk smack about fucking Mexico. Now, I love, I've been to Mexico a gazillion times. I love it down there. The, the people are the greatest. If you if you don't know them, you you have you have to go and hang out with them, eat, party with them. You will love them. They are the coolest people ever. Right. Okay. You go down there. We're down in Oaxaca, which is way the fuck down. You don't want to go to the border towns. You want to go down there. If you're going to go to Mexico, go down into Mexico with the people, the food. It's unbelievable. Not the Tex-Mex shit'll cross the border. You know what I'm saying? Right. And we're down there, so we're hanging out with Susie's nephew lives down in Oaxaca, and I hear this air raid siren. I'm like, hey, Alan, what the fuck is that? He says, oh, we're going to have an earthquake. A minute later, everything starts shaking. They've had a fucking earthquake alarm system down there for years. <laughs> and we've, we have, we've been having earthquakes here since the dawn of time, and you haven't put in an alarm system yet? Right. You know, it's like, really? I mean, and you're making fun of a third world country that has it? You know, maybe so you should be sending folks down there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, dude. But it is a fucking hoop down there, man. It is. It's really, if you haven't been, you need to go. You can, you can go, like, fly out to fucking San Diego, whatever. Take the train, whatever's cheap. Get out to San Diego and then cross the border at fucking um, San Diego TJ, right there. There's an airport right there. You cross over, you give them your passport, boom. You get on a plane You could, from TJ. You can fly anywhere in South America for 199 bucks per person round trip. Nice. Well, it's, you know, you're not, it's a cattle card. You know, you're not getting nothing fancy, but you're going to get to where you want to go. Right. You know, I've been to Guatemala, seen Tikal, all that shit, Antigua, fucking Mexico. Dude, and the people are the greatest, and it's so much, and the, they want your money. You know, <laughs> they're just like anybody else. They want your money. They're trying to make a living just like we are. Right. So you go down there, and you see something cool, and you're like, how much? And they're like, oh, well, da 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 and you're going, okay, I don't speak any of that shit. So it's actually, actually, uh, but my, and my old lady does. So, you know, they start talking and shit like that. And Susie. Hello?
Oh. Bear with me, guys. Hey guys, it's uh, Chris Stalia breaking the fourth wall again. Unfortunately, my system had lost the call with uh, Mr. Dave Amblin. Uh, we will have him back on. I just wanted to get on here real quick and give you guys a quick outro. I want to thank my guests very much. I had a blast. We went way over time, but that's quite all right with me because I was enjoying the conversation. I hope you guys were too. Make sure you check out this uh, this podcast and all the great podcasts of Realm Limits Entertainment on our YouTube channel. Like, share, subscribe, comment. We'd love to hear from you. Maybe you agree or don't agree with some of the co- topics discussed. Of course, check out all the other great shows on Realm of the Mist. And go check out our sister channel, Sounds Dicey Gaming, for all your tabletop Dungeons & Dragons style gaming, as well as video game Let's Plays and Playthroughs. And of course, if you're one of those people that just prefers the audio formats, just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, iTunes, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. Again, I'd like to thank Mr. Dave Hamblin. Uh, we will have him back on. I think, I think we're going to have a series with him. And of course, guys... I will catch you on the next Breaking the Fourth Wall. Have a good night.